This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, a positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatane by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed, especially because I'm off tramping this week, so we are recording this on the weekend. Yep, Saturday, and it's a gorgeous Saturday, and I hope that you have great weather but not too hot on your there, trip. There is a front coming through the country. On Saturday, we had a nasty cold front come through. But it didn't last very long, but it was very bitter for a while. Mm. But it's going to be fantastic for the rest of the week because we're doing the root burn. Yay. Yay. Oh, I keep telling people you're doing the heafy. <laughs> the same as doing the root burn. <laughs> and I think the heafy's closed. And I think it got flooded. I think it got damaged in that big rain. Oh. Who are we introducing today? It is my great pleasure to introduce a long-term associate of mine who I've never met, but who I will meet next time I'm in Wellington, assuming you're still in Wellington, Alice Midgley. Uh, Alice is a change manager, gardener, community champion, and just has the most beautiful view of the world, such a positive person. Alice, I'm really grateful for you, and thanks for being on the show today. I'm really delighted. It's great. It's great to meet you, sort of in the person. (laughs) (laughs) So where are you, Alice? So I'm in Upper Hutt um, in near Wellington, um, and we've had a lovely day here today. It's been sunny, but a little bit windy, getting a little bit windy. But we don't get the wind quite so much here in Upper Hutt as they do in Wellington. So we started out on the show asking people how their bubble life was, and then it turned into a traffic light, and now it's whatever it is now. So <laughs> how has your bubble traffic light thing gone? Uh, well, our, our bubble here is quite good. So my husband and I are both working from home. So he works in the study. Um, he's a, a, a um, what's his job? <laughs> <laughs> he works in Lower Hutt Council. He's um, basically a policy advisor there. And I'm um, working in the dining room. So it's been a, it's definitely been a challenge for our relationship, but we've survived. In fact, it's actually been quite good for our relationship, I think. You know, we get to hang out and have coffee and stuff during the week. We've never done that before. <laughs> <laughs> have you found it more productive working from home? Uh, yes, it has definitely been more productive. Um, I get a lot of stuff done and I can, but but on the flip side of that, I think you end up working too hard because, you know, you grab your lunch and you eat your lunch in front of your screen and you go back to work. And instead of, you have to remind yourself to actually take a break go outside and actually have lunch. As a person working in change management, a a lot of the work you're doing is not so much 
technical sitting at a computer. It's actually talking to people. It is. So I, I do work in the IT industry, so it, a lot of it is on the technical side, but it's more the change and the governance side of that. So I'm not a technical person, um, but I manage technical people. And it's really just trying to be the coordinator in terms of the people side of managing technology, really. So how is the working with people gone because in in that kind of field there's an awful lot of meetings with with sticky notes on on boards and white whiteboards and that kind of communication are you coping without that i find i find that side of it quite hard because i'm a very visual person so i'm you know i'm struggling to get used to electronic whiteboards online really because i've got i've got two screens but that's not enough i would like to have three (laughs) screens so that i because I can't print anything, you see, because everything's so confidential. So it's all got to be on my screen. So I'm struggling to, you know, bring a document up and remember which document I need for this meeting. And yeah, that side of it is quite challenging. And I think we're all finding it challenging, to be honest. Even even people who are, you know, a lot of the younger people are much more fluid with using that kind of technology. But I think they even struggle because it can be quite lonely. You know, you do have to find, I mean, we're lucky there's two of us here, but, you know, a lot of my team are working on their own and have been working on their own for a very long time. And that that can be quite challenging. It can be quite lonely for people. Going into this traffic light and the phase two of the traffic light, is that what it's called? I think it is. Has that changed mm-hmm. how you're working? Uh, we find when we're grocery shopping now, we buy three of everything because I just don't want to go to the grocery shop so often, you know, because it doesn't seem like it's a question of if you're going to get COVID, it's when you're going to get COVID now. And I, you know, even though we've, we're both here double vaxxed and we've had our boosters, you still get a little bit frightened, you know. I don't particularly want to be out and about as much as I might have been in the past. So we have hunkered down a bit here. We don't go out that much. Um, we've had neighbours over today and we've had, you know, we have friends and we do stuff, but not nearly as much as we would have done. And so, you know, life is a little bit more isolated than it's ever been before. But I'm a solitary person, you know, like I, I'm used to gardening and, and reading and doing stuff on my own. I don't personally find it too challenging, but I know my <laughs> my partner becomes a chatterbox, you know. <laughs> He's got to come in every hour or so and have a chatter because he finds it really hard. <laughs> It's been an interesting change of, I'm not sure if the word is ethos, but I'm going to go with ethos. The, in the first rounds of the pandemic, the, we had this idea that we could beat this, you know, stick together, we can beat this. Yeah. And now it's, we're not beating it. It's, a, it's going to happen. How can we minimise the impact? It feels like it's beaten us a bit, I think, for a lot of people at the moment. I mean, we're just, I've just had a few neighbours over this afternoon and we were just talking and saying, you know, we feel like it's just now a matter of when and kind of trying to be as strong as you can, as healthy as you can, look after your children the best you can and and be as resilient in your life as you can be, you know, that that it feels like there's nothing more than you that you can do than that. 
um, you know, we were just talking about the fact that there are a few cases in our local schools here now, and people aren't panicking. You know, we're not panicking. Um, we haven't, we as Kiwis, we haven't experienced personally lots of people close to us dying. So we don't have that same sense of fear, I think, that people have overseas. I mean, our neighbours are English and they were talking about their family and their family's experiences of COVID, which are a lot more frightening than ours have ever been anywhere here. Um, and, I, and I was in the hospital before I started this job. Well, recently I've been working in the hospital for the last six years. And certainly our experience in the hospital was, was of a lot more fear. You know, people are genuinely scared. And I think we tend to forget that. We forget that as human beings, we're not used to living in this kind of continual sense of danger. But it's a danger that isn't really present. It's, you know, is it going to be there? Is it is it really going to turn into something? It's It's a stress that we're not used to. And I think that has affected a lot of people. I think it's made a lot of people quite um, timid in their view of the world at the moment. It certainly it has constrained our horizons. We're doing a lot less than we might have been doing otherwise. So you talked about what we need to do is to be as resilient as we can in our in our lives. What does that resilience look like for you? What what, what are you doing to maintain that that positive mindset? Um, we, uh, our diet is probably a lot more healthy now than it might've been two years ago. I think we're a lot more conscious of being responsible for our own health. And, um, you know, I've, I've actually got a thyroid condition. Um, so I've kind of been fairly conscious of managing that for the last few years, but I probably haven't gone to see the GP as much as I possibly should just because I just really, I don't want to. It's, that's an exposure I'd, pre, I'd prefer to avoid right now um, because I don't, you know, it's not a, it's a chronic condition, but it's not a, an acute condition. I, you know, nothing's drastic's going to happen to me if I don't um, for a while. Um, and I also think that we, we manage a lot of our friendships and our relationships with our relatives probably a little more consciously you know we we haven't been able to see like my niece lives relatively close by but we haven't seen each other as much as we normally would have because we don't want to expose the children to too much um, unnecessary contact um, but the times that we do have are a lot more precious mm -hmm. I think and um, yeah, I think those are the kind of things like conversations that we might have taken for granted. We, I don't think we take for granted quite as much because we value the time we have with people a little more, if that makes sense. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Ingrid Mickelson, You and I. Don't you worry there, my honey We might not have any money But we've got our love to pay the bills Maybe I think 
you're cute and funny. Maybe I wanna do what bunnies do with you, if you know what I mean. Oh, let's get rich and buy our parents' homes in the south of France. Let's get rich and give everybody nice sweaters and teach them how to dance. Let's get rich and build a house on a mountain, making everybody look like ants. From way up there, you and I, you and I. Well, you might be a bit confused, and you might be a little bit bruised. But baby, how we spoon like no one else. So I will help you read those books if you will soothe my worried looks, and we will put the lonesome on the shelf. Let's get rich and buy our parents' homes in the south of France. Let's get rich and give everybody nice sweaters and teach them how to dance. Let's get rich and build a house on a mountain, making everybody look like ants. From way up there, you and I, you and I. Let's get rich and buy our parents' homes in the south of France. Let's get rich and give everybody nice sweaters and teach them how to dance. Let's get rich and build a house on a mountain, making everybody look like ants. From way up there, you and I, you and I. Alice, oh, sorry about the sound of my dog barking in the background. <laughs> Alice, in, in, in this time of um, of stress and concern for people. Um, and this isn't your first rodeo, is it? Like you, you're used to dealing with people in stressful situations. You're a, you're an yeah. advocate for people. You've always been a great supporter of people who need support. What is it that keeps you up? How do you keep yourself mentally and emotionally safe and buoyant, um, but still keep yourself, um, you know, to keep yourself safe? I think I've always had a philosophy in life is to try and look for the silver lining. You know, like this has been such a challenge for us. And, but we have, we've had other challenges. And as, as you've said, I've been through other stresses. I've dealt with a lot of um, stresses around mental illness, particularly and supporting people through that. And I think, you know, I remember my, somebody who I was taking care of once who had a very serious mental illness saying to me, why did this choose me? Why Why did this happen to me? Why did I get left with this? And I remember saying, there must be, I'm not, I'm, I don't believe in fate. I don't believe in those kind of things. But I do believe that you take the opportunity that is presented to you. And for that particular person, I know, for example, that mental illness had actually given her an enormous empathy for other people. It was an opportunity to see through other people's eyes in terms of what pe other people's experiences are. And I try to do that myself. I try to think this is an opportunity for us to see who we are as a people. You know, this is an opportunity for us to 
deal with some of the mess in our own backyard because we do have some messes in our own backyard in New Zealand at the moment and we really need to pay attention to some of them. And I think the fact that we have been a bit isolated from the world has actually been an enormous opportunity for us, really, that we're not dealing with daily invasions of tourists because, you know, I, growing up in the South Island, I, I don't have a particularly fond attitude to tourism. It's kind of messed with every visit I've ever had to my home environments when I go to visit my family and we're surrounded by tourists everywhere. It's not been my favorite thing, <laughs> but now it's not, you know, now it's something that we can actually enjoy as Kiwis, which is wonderful. <laughs> you were talking before about, about empathy and, and I think a lot about empathy and I wonder how, how do we teach it? How do we get people to take an empathetic response to the things that are happening around them that they're not comfortable and not happy with? I don't know. Honestly, I think that's the hardest thing. And I, I struggle with that myself, really. I'm still struggling with that. It's like, um, but I think I just have to go back to the things I know. You know, like I think somewhere in our experiences, we have things that we've learned. Like if, if like you're a very empathetic person, I know. And, and I've developed, I think, a reasonably strong empathy. And I, I think it's because of our experiences. I think it's because every person has opportunities in their life to walk beside somebody who is different from them. And some of it is by choice and some of it's not. And... I think it's really just trying to tune into people's experience. And I think when I, especially because I deal with, I work with a lot of young people and young people still have experiences, you know, even as children, people have experiences of being alongside and walking alongside of somebody who is different and somebody who might have a completely different experience of life. And I think if you tune, if you tune into that experience of people, and find what experiences people have had themselves and try and get back to that. That's that's what I find. That's what works for me, I think. It's, tr it's trying to find some experience that any person has of understanding what it might be like to walk in another person's shoes. I mean, I you know, most people would look at me and think, you know, white middle class, grew up, private school education, spoiled brat. But they don't know what my real life was like, you know. That's just that's just a mask. That's just an easy description of somebody. And and it's so easy to do that. It's so easy to look at somebody and make a description based on some kind of supervisual um, experience of who you think they might be. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ourselves in the new normal of a global 
facing so many different ways of being seen, feeling in an array for to gaze upon with admiration, passion, with empathy, with sympathy. So many ways in which we co-evolving with is being revealed. And I know for myself, I'm learning more and more the importance of caring for myself and getting a new thing and allowing myself the time space to process all the uncertainty that surrounds us and can unsettle us. I'm so grateful for part of the show. I want to say a huge mihi arohanui to Sam and the whole Blown Bubbles team for having me. I'm so grateful to talk together. An exciting development has happened for me and that I've taken up paddle boarding. And of course, today we had the big summer series paddle finale and everybody was there with their masks and scanning in and showing the passes and the sun was shining and the birds were singing. The ocean was gently lapping at the shore and from my days working at the Portobello Aquarium I remember on the Beaufort scale it was almost a zero sea-like mirror so it was very beautiful and I was very fortunate to be able to thank everyone for being there and thank everyone for their support as it was a fundraiser for my heart's home Otokanui Eco Sanctuary and I had my Otokanui cape on, so I felt very capable. And my sea lion, of course, swim away, came with me. And we hopped on the paddleboard. And at first, I just paddled around the shallows. And a lovely lady came to paddle alongside me. And then gradually, I managed to valiantly stand up on the paddleboard, which was very exciting. And I only fell off about an hour later when I was having fun and listening to an involved story and sharing my own stories. This took my mind off my balance momentarily, but the ornate hat that I was wearing did not get wet. That was the main thing. So I jumped back on the paddleboard and reoriented myself and again managed to stand up. By this time, the water was quite choppy, and so it was okay as long as I was going with the flow, but when I was going into the headwind and going against the current was more tricky and so of course a helpful reminder for us in these times that when we can allow ourselves to align with the flow of the constants in our lives that inner sanctuary that sense of connection with the living world that sense of connection with ourselves and those we know those we have yet to know and of course all those different parts of ourselves that we have known and have yet to meet this is a time of learning together and I'm really enjoying learning these new skills, especially in Paradise, Autiporti, Stun Eden. So I hope wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, you're having these opportunities too. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Change advocate, particularly in the IT industry. Do you think we could learn more... Well, do you think we could learn things for society if we were to, to sort of take the Agile Manifesto and embrace change as a thing we did more widely uh, and not just in IT projects? Oh, I love Agile. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Um, and that the thing about Agile is it's really just about looking about how do you make things simpler? You know, how, how do we stop making life so complicated and actually get back to what is the most important what are the simple things that we need to do each day that are really important 
instead of all this complicated stuff that we build into our lives. You know, that's what I love about Agile. That's that's what I think really works for people in Agile. Definitely, definitely a lot of stuff there. That's the thing that we're finding with actually with, with COVID and with working from home, um, we're trying to focus really on how can we simplify this? How can we just work out what are the most important things that we need to be doing and focus on that because we know that people's at the moment people's well-being is actually quite a critical part of our daily work you know because everybody's finding it tough and so we have to be mindful every day in our work that we are actually taking care of our people and I think we need to do that a lot more in life basically it hasn't really been a focus we've been so focused on how do we get better? How do we improve the economy? How do we grow the economy? You know, how do we make more money? How do we get more tourists? How do we do this? Instead of thinking, what do we actually need as a people? What do we actually need each day as a people? And I think, you know, COVID has kind of brought us back to that a bit. It's brought us back to what's actually the most important. And perhaps now at the proverbial is hitting the fan, now is the time when we actually need to be thinking about we're not just working from home, we're living through a pandemic. Because yeah. the first times we were isolated from it. but And so it, we, we were working from home, surviving a pandemic, but it was kind of easy because we were behind a fortress. But now we actually need those skills. What Do you think we could do something to enhance or, or to promote that, though? Those, those ideas of making things simpler and, and being agile and accepting that change? I don't know, to be honest. I think it's really hard at the moment to do anything different. I think people are so, we're kind of still a bit frozen. I'm feeling a bit frozen. I feel like I just want to do the things I know that are going to work each day. You know, like the whole frightening idea of trying to do something new and different at the moment is actually quite a hard concept to get my head around myself you know like I I started setting up a, a farmer's market last year and um, you know I'm just I'm kind of a bit of a possum in the headlights with that right now myself because <laughs> it's like no I don't want to I just don't want to have this discussion with my vendors about whether they're vaccinated or not I really don't <laughs> we have seen lots of change in society over the the last couple of years what do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? I think working at home is going to stick. I thought, you know, like I, I was fighting. Like in the hospital, we literally fought for the last few years to get our typists able to work from home. And the overriding reason that nobody would let them work from home was just pure fear that they couldn't control them. I mean, all sorts of excuses were used, like confidentiality. And the moment that COVID hit, it went out the window like like nothing. And suddenly they were able to work from home, like it wasn't even an issue. So I think that's going to stick. I think that's going to make a huge impact on um, a lot of working environments. Um, it's going to have some positives. It's also going to have a few negatives. People don't realise that a lot of corporates have substantially reduced their floor space. And so there's not going to be much option but working from home. And, 
you know, that's not necessarily going to all be a positive. There are going to be some challenges with that. Um, so I think that that will stick. I think that is going to help us deal with reducing um, vehicle use. You know, we were struggling to find out how we were going to persuade people to stop using vehicles and suddenly they're able to work from home and it's no longer any kind of anything like the, the big deal it was going to be. You know, that suddenly is an opportunity to enable people to be able to reduce their use of petrol. I One think of that's, the- a, that's a big problem. The, the pandemic has certainly shown us that we can change things if we set our minds to it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so many things that we thought were hard are suddenly they've just changed without any effort at all. So we, we've seen that we can we can do things. We're just not very good at being led to it. You know, like as human beings, we do not like other people to tell us what to do. Like just just full stop. Nobody wants anybody to tell them what to do, you know. Um, but if we find a way and it feels like it's the right thing to do, that's a whole different ball game from somebody telling us that we have to do that. You know, we're so fairly simplistic beings. So what lessons do you think we can take from this for those, those bigger sorts of changes that we need to make? I'm thinking of things like climate change or social justice, social injustice. Um... I actually think that we need to listen a lot more. I think we're not being particularly good at understanding how we've ended up with some of the messes that we've ended up with. You know, like, I, I'm not going to talk about the protest. I just, it's just a subject that confuses me. But I think it has shown us that there are elements within New Zealand that we have not confronted, that we have not addressed, and they're going to bite us if we don't. We need to find out why we are not being kind to people. Why is it that we have allowed this whole underbelly of, of um, what would you, it's anarchy. It's, it's basically an anarchy that's, that's evolved without, us realizing without us and I still don't understand it I still don't understand what it is um, and I certainly don't think the police understand what it is but we have to listen and I think I think that's what we're going to have to do we're just going to have to do a whole lot more listening to what's really going on and and remember what made us Kiwis in the first place you know um, I've always been really proud of being a New Zealander. And I grew up in a, in a family of several generations who were always really proud to be New Zealanders. And I think we've got to actually look at that and remember what it was. <laughs> and, and why we're not enrolling people in that. Why is it people don't want to be enrolled in that? You know, have we, have we let a whole... <sighs> A whole generation? Is it a generation? I don't think it's a generation. I think there's several generations in there. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Sorry, I'm rambling a bit now. <laughs> That's all right. Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have yeah, the Beatles. Let's have Here Comes the Sun. Why this one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it just has many childhood memories. I um, It's just, yeah, some memories of some very special times, particularly when I was at school with friends and um, there was a particular time when we were playing this and we were painting. We had a a study when I was at school and I remember I was painting it listening to this. <laughs> While that was playing, you kept disappearing. You've disappeared more than yes. once, actually. What's going on? <laughs> well, that's the working from home thing, Sam. And I've got two cakes in the oven to take to mountain biking tomorrow. We're going uh, tomorrow on a trip to the um, new hard top 
pump track in Cambridge and then we're going to Tamero on the way home and I'm the cook always the cook at mountain biking so uh, and I always take cakes so I've got a, a date loaf and a, a banana and coconut cake in the oven and I just made them a bit too big and they're taking a long time to cook so keep having to jump up and check them <laughs> so <laughs> you know a day in the life Alice I'm pretty sure you said that you're starting up a farmer's market. That sounds like yep. a, a left field thing for a, an IT change manager to be doing. <laughs> well, I'm a gardener, you know, and I come from a farming family. So, um, yes, so many years of – no, it was more – it actually came from an idea. So my niece came back from London. My niece is a um, an environmentalist. She's a, um, she's a plant scientist basically. And she had worked in London and Hammersmith with a community in Hammersmith, which had developed a whole community kind of um, community garden slash community activities around some greenhouses. So they had developed these greenhouses and they used these greenhouses for doing workshops and they had um, community gardens surrounding them. And it had it had developed such a wonderful atmosphere of people doing things around growing. And I wanted to do something like that. I wanted to do something around growing. And Upper Hutt has developed a really good strategy on sustainability. And so I wanted to kind of link into that and do something around um, and encouraging so we we have this quite difficult climate in upper hut so we have it's very cold here we are actually quite high we're higher than wellington city and so it, we get um quite cold temperatures here in the winter we get quite heavy frosts um and quite cold and yet in summer it can be baking hot so we have a bit of a difficult climate and so we don't have a lot of produce growing here locally and we wanted to change that we wanted to encourage growth we do have some valleys that have really good soils um, and so we wanted to be able to develop our own horticulture industry here to to be sustainable because if we had a serious earthquake um, in Wellington there's a very strong risk that Upper Hutt would actually could actually be completely cut off we could be cut off through the hut which has a very significant um, uh, earthquake fault line um, and we could be cut off across the hills um, going through either to the Cavity Coast or across to um, the Wairarapa. So we we could be, we do have quite a high risk here of being quite cut off either through slips, through flooding or from earthquakes. So one of the things we wanted to do was to make sure that we could develop our own horticulture industry and develop some sustainability around food. Um, and we, we also have a very unusual demographic in Upper Hutt. We have some millionaires, we have some very wealthy people here, but we also have some pockets of quite significant poverty as well. Um, so we thought, well, you know, there's a real opportunity in there to create something which would would work for the whole community so that we could develop an organics-type market um, focused on Sustain, not just sustainable food products, but also, you know, community um, crafts and artisan products and things like that. Um, 
and also multicultural food, you know, having lots of food stalls and things like that. So to create a real family atmosphere and encourage people to grow local projects. So that was behind it, and that's kind of been developing over the last couple of years. So it's going to happen. It's just happening a little more slowly at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I'm too timid, basically. Um, and it's the idea is that we we're not going to do it on a on a regular basis, but do it on a like a seasonal basis. So we'll have a maybe four a year like a seasonal type fair, and the idea that we it's a fair basically, um, not so much like a regular farmers market, but more a kind of a an, a community fair type thing. Cool. We have one in Fakatani that's much like that. Uh, it's um, out in the outskirts of the community, about maybe twenty five minutes from the township. And, um, and it's they have a seasonal at a hall uh, and they've started to raise money to keep the hall going really but um, it's just amazing because it has got that real fair feel about it um, but it's also yeah. a farmer's market and it's also an opportunity for the kids to do fundraisers for school and yeah. it's just a, it's a nice place to be usually on yeah, a Sunday but, afternoon yeah and that's I mean the last one we had we we did one in April last year and then we, we did one in November and and it's just a really lovely sort of pastoral kind of feel and weird music and you know people could sit on the grass and have a picnic and stuff it was just lovely um so we'll keep going with that I'm just going to wait a little while at the moment I just don't feel like doing it in the current atmosphere really because I think people are just too focused on survival at the moment but that's not going to be forever I think it's just a it's kind of just a hunkering down at the moment. People are doing the, you know, the things that are critical. Um, and um, so, but we are planning, we're going to do a scarecrow competition. So the idea is we're going to get all the enviro schools are going to do scarecrows. The kids are going to do scarecrows based on, you know, recycling products and have a big competition. So that's going to be fun. We're looking forward to doing that. It's, it's keep, uh, well, we're going to start it very soon. So I've got a planning meeting this week and we'll probably end up, we'll aim for about April, I think. So it'll be kind of a harvest festival type thing. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're starting planning on that this week. It's it's stuff that keeps me, it's sort of like everybody's going to have a hobby. I suppose that's my hobby. It, get, it keeps me connected. It's something that keeps me connected, you know, in, in the community that I'm in. Um, I'm not a great sort of social activity type person. So, you know, that's the kind of activities I like to do. It's my it's my social connection, really. <laughs> Dave Hursthouse, who we've had on this show early on, I think, um, who's a doctorate student of mine, is doing beautiful work in Whanganui. Um, on the relationship between food and well-being. I'll put you in contact with him, part of the Kai Ora program. Okay, um, it's, oh, okay. yeah. It's the, and there's some, there's some really, really delightful resources they've produced. We are really lucky in a part. We have some really knowledgeable people here. We have Dr. Jessica Hutchings, um, who has just published a couple of books on, on um, Murray um, permaculture. She's an expert in Maori permaculture. Um, so we're, we are actually really fortunate. We do have some real experts here. And um, Joe McLeod, who is a great forager, <laughs> great wild food <laughs> forager, 
has been really supportive and he's doing some events for us as well. So cool. that's been really great. Yeah. Cool. Now I have some questions to end the show and oops, not that much time. So we shall have to be quick. <laughs> what is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? In the last couple of years, it was actually getting um, a 15% increase for hospital um, administration workers for to get equal pay for women in an industry where women were particularly lowly paid. Um, it's made a huge uplift for people and coming just on the cusp of COVID, it couldn't have been at a better time. That's been my biggest success and the thing of which I am most proud. <laughs> Well done. So we are writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? Oh, my, goodness. <laughs> my superpower? Um, perseverance, I think. You know, it's never easy. Nothing ever comes that easy. I've never found, but I persist. <laughs> <laughs> so do you consider yourself to be an activist? No, not in the current the current scheme of things. No, I don't think so. <laughs> an advocate, maybe, but not an activist. That's an interesting thing. I wonder if that is going to. I wonder if the, uh, uh, referring to the protests. I wonder if that's going to change people's ideas about. Well, I think whether or not is. they should I mean, be doing I... things. I was an activist in my university days. I mean, who wasn't really as a student? I mean, I did dead ants in the middle of the road for against apartheid in South Africa and against the 81, you know, Springbok tour. And I've protested about a number of things in my life. But when students, when our university students are actually starting a petition to get rid of the protest from parliament, I think we really have to ask ourselves what the heck is going on. You know, I my friend the other day was her her daughter was trying to get into um, the university to get organised for starting her studies, and she was approached. This is a kid. She's a kid. This is her first year at university. She's a kid, and she was approached by a group of people who spat at her, accused her of being a Nazi because she was wearing a mask. She's terrified. It's just a very bizarre situation. It's bizarre. I was going to say, it's just bizarre, isn't it? So, Alice, what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, I don't know. I think I'm just a farmer's daughter. I just, as fast as I get up to do it, you know, it's just, I was brought up getting up early. It's <laughs> <laughs> just what you have to do, you know. I think that's the thing. I just get up and put one foot in front of the other and then I'll figure it out as I go along, you know. What am I going to do today? I'll figure it out. <laughs> so what challenge? I'm too scared what... to die. I think, I think that's it. I'm too scared to die. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm challenge or opportunity? That's... What challenge or opportunity that's... are you looking forward to? Um, I'm looking forward to getting my garden ready for the autumn. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I've got broccoli and, and it's just getting the garden ready. That's my, I can't, that's my metaphor, really, just getting the garden ready. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? <sighs> oh. 
Find something that you're good at doing and do it. Just everybody has something that they're good at. Just find out, make sure you know what it is and do it. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Thank you for that. Mawera, how's your cake going? Uh, all the cakes are out of the oven and cooked and I've burned my finger, but that's okay. Oh. <laughs> Alice, do you know what I think? We're really lucky because you found what you're good at and you do it and you do it really well. And, um, you know, as, in a, as an observer in your life, really, sitting up here in Fukutani and, and you know, I, I watch the, the way that um, you approach people and your way of doing things and I have so much admiration and respect and, and I feel really thankful that we've got someone like you in the community doing the amazing stuff you do. So keep up the good work and thanks for sharing with us today. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) I'm really touched. Coming from somebody like you who's done such amazing things and I'm so proud of you and so proud of what you've done this year. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Bring me sunshine in your smile been listening to blowing bubbles positive conversations with people in their bubbles their safe spaces around the world brought to you by the sustainable lens team which is brought to you by otago polytechnic we're broadcast on otago access radio every monday wednesday and friday afternoons at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz you can find us on facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts we had a contribution today from tahu mckenzie this is sophie madeline bring me sunshine I'm Sammy Manansoy's Bay Dunedin with Mwira Karatai in Fakatani, and we've been joined from Upper Hutt by Alice Nidgley. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. Bring me sunshine, bring me love. Bring me fun, bring me sunshine, bring me This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.